morning, everyone. Morning. It's good to see you all this morning. I uh, hope it's not too late to say Happy New Year, even though it's the 14th of Jan, but so good to, to be here this morning. Um, so I want to start with a question. How many of us have had dreams when we were younger? I mean, I can certainly speak to this. Um, I, when I was younger, like most young boys growing up in school, I wanted to be a Premier League footballer. <laughs> there I am. You know, it started with a dream of playing in the cup final at Wembley, cutting through the midfield like a prime Patrick Vieira, and scoring the winner in the 90th minute. I mean, this is me here trying to make that dream a reality. I know it's not Wembley, but flow with me anyway. This was followed up by many other dreams and aspirations I had, such as being a DJ, a photographer, mechanic, and a rally car driver. I know, I've had it all. While these dreams and aspirations are good to have, today I want to talk about the dreams that God gives us that call us to serve others and bring his kingdom on earth. And before we begin, I want to just encourage us that wherever we are in our journey to fulfilling God's dream for us, uh, I want to encourage us to be at the Dare to Dream event on the 5th of February. Um, it was where we were able to come together and figure out what God has in store for us, come together as a community to figure out what God has and discern the next steps. So I strongly encourage you all to scan the QR code, visit the website for more information, and to sign up. It's said to be a great evening. And on top of that, I want to also encourage us to get this book. It's um, Rick Warren, Dare to Dream, Created to Dream. Very, very good book. It's kind of short book. Costs you about tenner on Amazon, and I encourage you to get it. Now, I'm not sponsored by Rick Warren. Um, it's a very good book, but Rick, if you are watching, feel free to hit me up afterwards. <laughs> so anyway, we're in the second week of our series, I Have a Dream, and the title for this talk is When Dreams Nearly Die. It speaks to what happens when we hear from God regarding his plan for our lives, decide to act on it, and then it just feels like things are not going to work out. And to do this, we're going to continue with the story of Joseph. We know Joseph as the boy of many dreams, or the technicolor dream quote, as some might say. And we'll be continuing where Andy left us off at Genesis 37, verse 12 to 36. So I invite you all, if you have a Bible or a gadget, please follow along. Uh, the words will appear on the screen behind me. So I'm just going to pray before we read the scripture. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the dreams that you've placed in each and every one of us, the plans and the purposes that you have for all of us. And wherever we are on our journey, we just pray that you will encourage us, uplift us, and strengthen us this morning as we continue with your plans in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Genesis 37, verse 12 to 36, reads, Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went on to his brothers and found them at Dothan. But when they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. 
Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him off his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down from Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's tell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out, up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there, where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this, examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. All of his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Amen. So just to set some premise and some context, Joseph is a key figure in the book of Genesis. He's born to Jacob, one of 12 brothers. He was by far his father's favorite, which led to his brothers being very jealous of him, even to hatred. Joseph had two dreams from God, which were an indication of what he wanted to do in his life. Now, bear in mind that Joseph was already hated by his brothers just by simply being his father's favorite. So telling the dreams that he had only made things worse. I mean, there's nothing worse for a sibling relationship than one sibling having dreams about being better than the others and then proceeding to tell them about it. <laughs> so they do what most brothers would do in that moment. They sold him into slavery. Not before contemplating killing him, of course. And you might think that when reading this, that Judah was doing a favor by keeping him alive and saying, oh no, let's not kill him, let's just sell him. But bear in mind, they're not doing him a favor by selling him in either. By doing that, they're not only cutting him off from his inheritance, which was a very big thing in those days, because Jacob now believed that his son was dead, but condemned him and his bloodline to a lifetime of forced labor in a land he didn't even know. And reading this, I was like, wow, it really be your own people, you know? But looking at this passage, there's a few things I want to highlight upon reading this. Firstly, the reaction to the dream. I want to start with the fact by saying that Joseph telling his brothers wasn't the problem. You might look at this and say, actually, you know what? Maybe when I have dreams, I should keep them to myself. I shouldn't tell anybody because they might react badly. But I want to flip that. Telling your dreams to those around you encourages them not just to be part of your dream, but encourages them to dream also. It demonstrates faith and encourages people around you. Now, Joseph didn't use wisdom in telling 
his brothers. And as a result, his brothers weren't very encouraging. I want to draw us back to verse 19 and 20. When they saw him coming, his brothers mocked him, saying, here comes that dreamer. They hated him so much that once they threw him into a cistern, and while he was down there at the bottom of the pit, they even ate. They conspired to make sure that what God had revealed to Joseph didn't come to pass. I mean, they didn't care about what ambitions he had for his life or what he wanted to do or what he wanted. They were out to kill that dream. And I want to ask us, what has God told you? Have you told anybody else about it? Did their reactions make you doubt what God has already told you? There's no phrase, as Andy spoke about last week, there's no phrase that describes a dream like the word how. Like you tell somebody the things that you believe God has had for your life, you're, you're excited. You're like, okay, I'm going to go with it. And they turn around to you and say, how? How are you going to do that? How's that going to happen? And what's the crazy thing about that is, you don't know. When God reveals his dream for our lives, from the jump, it's not going to have all the full details and milestones. He's not going to tell me, oh yeah, Mecca, you're going to do this. On the 3rd of July, you're going to preach here. On the 18th of August, you're going to do this and that. I mean, for good reason. If God did tell us, all the dates, the times, the milestones, and everything that's going to happen in one night, we'll probably run away. <laughs> but in the process of pursuing our dreams, I want to share a quote Andy shared last week as well. And it's to, don't focus on the big thing, focus on the next thing. I want to touch on Joseph's despair at the bottom of the system. I mean, Joseph's brothers, thankfully, didn't kill him, but decided to throw him into an empty system. For context purposes, a cistern is simply just a large tank that stores water. And, we, and when reading this, you can kind of emphasize how much Joseph had felt while at the bottom of that pit. Feelings of regret, maybe. Why did I have the dream? Why did I tell them? Feeling doubt. Was I right in the first place? Maybe I misheard or misinterpreted. Feelings of fear, maybe of the unknown. All he knew that his brothers, for no apparent reason to him, grabbed him, stripped the robe off him, and threw him into a cistern and sold him to some trade into slavery. He didn't know what was going to happen after that. When we encounter difficulty, delay, or resistance, after receiving our dream from God and deciding to act on it, sometimes these thoughts can creep in. For example, in pursuit of God's dream, you've reached your limit. You find you're bogged down with some of the feelings that Joseph may have felt. You battle doubts in your head that are telling you to stop. Saying things, you say things like, it's okay, you're not the only one. I guess it's not for me. All this resistance must mean God must not be behind it. What's going to happen next? You might be even asking the question, God, where are you in all of this? I thought you were with me. More on that later. course. In these situations, if these thoughts continue to take root, we start to rationalize giving up and placing the dreams that God has for us on the shelf. But I want to encourage us again with a quote from the book, this book, Created to Dream, written by Wick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church. Great faith inspires great dreams. Great dreams require great faith. Sometimes you may feel scared, worried, doubt, 
and you're on the edge. Those thoughts are natural in the pursuit of our dreams. But I want to ask us, what is going to be our response? Do we just allow those thoughts to remain, take root in our hearts and minds and now influence the way we think and our actions? Or do we choose to stand on what God has told us, choosing to stand in faith and take another step forward? If you read ahead in, as we progress through this series, you'll find that Joseph actually did. There's a good ending to the story. But my question to each and every one of you today is, what are you going to do today? Thirdly, I want to talk about the fact that God, although God was quiet, he wasn't missing. As we look through the scripture, it's interesting to note that once the dream was given from Joseph, Joseph to Joseph, Joseph didn't hear anything from God. Even when his brothers schemed to take his life, throw him in a system and sell him into slavery, we didn't see God intervene on his behalf. And it's not like God couldn't jump in if, if necessary, especially when we look at this in the context of scripture. We've seen God show up and intervene for his children in the midst of crisis. But why not now? I mean, he could have easily intervened while all this was going on. Maybe somebody could have been passing by and God appeared to him prophetically and stopped his brothers, and then they would have stopped their bro- his brother's plans. Or he could have touched the heart of his brothers to say, you know what, let's not do this. Or revealed the plot in a dream to Jacob so he could intercede or pray, anything. But nothing. A mostly, innocent, mostly, I must say, innocent Joseph was sold by his brother, brothers into the life sentence that was slavery. And I wanted to ask, why? I mean, when we're encountering difficulty, delay and resistance in the pursuit of God's dreams, we're turning around and asking God, where are you? Why won't you make this obstacle go away? Have I not prayed? Have I not fasted? Do I not come to church every week? I give, I do, I serve on kids, everything. If he has the power to answer, and answer quickly, I might add, why does he delay? But while preparing for the sermon, I noticed two things. Number one, delay and resistance is part and parcel of God's dreams being fulfilled in our lives. The same pattern is repeated in scripture throughout. Noah waited 120 years from starting to build the ark until it rained. Abraham waited 100 years for his promised son Isaac to be born. Jesus didn't start his public ministry till he was 30. So we aren't the only ones. Secondly, I want everyone to know that just because he's quiet, it doesn't mean he's not with you throughout. How do I know this? If we look ahead to Genesis 39 verse 2, we see a verse that brings some encouragement. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and in, was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. It tells me that despite the initial resistance and near disaster that he faced, God was with Joseph every step of the way. But imagine if Joseph decided to pack it all in and abandon God's dream for him when at the bottom of that pit. What if you, with what God has given to you and revealed to you, decide to just give up before you get to the point of breakthrough? And uh, I felt that in my prep, there was no better image that demonstrate this, um, like the image that's about to come up. 
I came across this, which I'm sure you all have seen. How many of us have been the first person? How many of us have been the second? We start with what God has given us. We say, yes, we're going to go with it. We dig, 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 dig. And we push, and somewhere along the line, we get tired. We get distracted. And we lose sight of the thing that we are initially pushing for, the very thing that God has placed in our hearts. But I have another quote as to why we should keep going. And it is, you never know how close you were to the goal until you quit. So, wherever you find yourself in your respective journeys and to fulfilling God's plans for our lives, what can you do when faced with a similar situation? It may not be your siblings plotting to kill, then sell you. I mean, if that's the case, then please come to the front after. <laughs> then, but there are four Fs which I wish for us to take away, if nothing else. Number one, don't fear. What is it that you're afraid of? Other people's opinions? Afraid you won't measure up and fail? Or maybe you're afraid you'll, it'll actually work out and you'll make it. What about the God-given dreams that require a change to your current way of life? Maybe you're afraid that the finances won't be the same, or you have to move to another area, or you're gonna to have to work harder or longer, and you're gonna be stretched before, way beyond what before you've previously known. But all fear does is keep you in the wilderness and prolong the delay. Fear will have you thinking that you're waiting on God, but really and truly, he's waiting on you. The key to not fearing is to focus on God's presence, because when he's with you, does it matter who's against you? How do I know? We're promised that God is with us in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, which reads, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will, never, he will not leave you nor forsake you. If it says that, and we know that, and we understand that, it's time to take that step forward. Go forth and take that dream. Secondly, don't fret. Fretting and worrying were one of the many reasons why the Israelites didn't enter the promised land. They complained just about, about everything. Even after God provided everything that they needed. I want us to understand that they were in slavery for over 400 years. And all they did once they left Egypt is complaining. In fact, they wished to go back to the shackles of slavery. Make it make sense. In that period of waiting, it's very easy to grab and complain when you're waiting very long for that thing, that prayer you've been praying to come to pass. But all worrying does is waste time. You expend a lot of energy, but you end up not going anywhere. But again, I'm reminded of a powerful verse in Matthew 6, 27. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I think we know what the answer to that is, is no. God is never in a hurry, but he's never late. He's always on time. It's up to us to trust his timing and lean on him, even when it seems that time is just passing us by. I mean, one of the things God is looking for in us is if we can stay committed to his plan, even when things don't seem to be going our way. Can you stand strong when it seems that time is just going? Thirdly, don't faint. 
Now, this is meant metaphorically, not literally. In the process of working out God's dreams for us, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Going back again to the people of Israel, on the journey to the promised land, they complained and refused to wait on the Lord, using words as, if only, if only we could go back. Imagine they had got so discouraged that they longed for the good old days. But the problem with the good old days is that they're never really all that good. The past always looks better in hindsight. Today, I urge you not to look back on the journey to fulfilling God's plans for your life. After all, you're not going that way. Instead, we can wait on the Lord to renew us when we have days when we feel down or tired. Isaiah 40, 31 tells us, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In the same way, God was with Joseph, Noah, Abraham, and Jesus. He is with you every step of the way. Call onto him and allow him to strengthen you when you get tired. Finally, don't forget. And when I say this, I mean two things. One, a God-given dream. Those plans that you just know is God. You know he's spoken to you. And secondly, don't forget that God is able and he is faithful. As time goes on and we're persisting through delay, it can be easy to forget what God has already told us, especially when the issues and the business and the busyness of life can fill our minds. But if there's anything you can take away from this talk, is to hold on to what God has said. Hold on to that dream. Finally, remember that God is faithful. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that just because you're in the process of fulfilling God's dream, that he's abandoned you. Because you forget or you put aside all the things that he has rescued you from. I encourage us to go back to the word. What does the word say? We're reminded throughout scripture of God's fulfilling his dreams to his children. And when we read so, all these examples, it stirs up our faith. When we read these stories, we're encouraged to press forward and not waver in the face of resistance. Because if God is in the business of seeing his plans for his kids and children come to pass, then why would he make an exception with any of you? As I close, I want, us to, I want to end with a simple question. We know that God has dreams for each and every one of us. If you didn't know it before, you know it now. And on that journey to fulfilling his purposes, there will be delay. There will be obstacles. There will be challenges. There will be days when you don't feel like it. But my question to you all today is what will be your response?